So what is today known for? Well, it's known for the first ever toilet flush on TV. <laughs> A definite odd day. <laughs> this is today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. All right, well, it's Kiss a Ginger Day. Um, okay, what? Is this day offensive? Is it not? What, what What is this all about? Okay, it actually started out in a Facebook group. Uh, people didn't like the other day about uh, gingers, which is Kick a ginger day. Uh, I don't know if people are offended by the title ginger. I, I'm not sure, but all I'm doing is I'm reporting the news. <laughs> That's all I'm doing in this case. Uh, so kiss a ginger day. Of course, ask uh, the person before you kiss them. And it's a pandemic, as I need to often remind people on certain days, like, you know, the hugging days and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a pandemic. So uh, do be careful. And also only kiss people that want to be kissed, for God's sakes. And I can't believe uh, if I have to tell you that, and uh, this is the first time you've heard that advice, then you've got a problem, sir. All right. And I said, sir, because it's most likely a guy. Uh, it's also National Pharmacist Day today. And uh, yes, uh, celebrate your pharmacists. And soon you'll be celebrating uh, with them because you're going to get the, you know, the shot that's going to help things, right? The vaccine, it's there. Uh, it is coming to like CVS and Rite Aid. I heard the news yesterday. So uh, I'm going to hug the pharmacist. Hopefully they're a ginger. Maybe I'll kiss them. Yeah, I'm not going to do that just yet, though, because I haven't had the shot, not the vaccine. Finally, I'm, I'm looking forward to a shot. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be good. All right, let's uh, take a look at our events for today. Way back in 1838, Samuel Morse. You know, Morse code, right? Well, he demonstrated the telegraph for the first time. And you know what? We've got a clip here. Let's uh, take a listen. And of course, uh, he's saying there that a uh, that he is a redhead and doesn't like to be called a ginger. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. And actually, it it <laughs> it was great for the bit though. Uh, the first uh, telegraph message was actually uh, done on January sixth. There was a smaller demonstration done for the Speedwell Ironworks in Morristown, New Jersey. However, on this date, he did a little bit more of a public demonstration of the telegraph. Now, the telegraph didn't really catch on because, see, nobody would fund it. So he didn't really have much luck in Washington, D.C. So he went to Europe to try to get some cash people to, you know, get behind this. Well, finally, uh, in December of 1842, he strung wires between two committee rooms at the U.S. Capitol to demonstrate. Okay, well, this got them funding. They put up some wires, and the next thing you know, they're sending a message from the Supreme Court chamber in Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. And what was that message? Well, the first message was sent on May 24, 1844, and it said, What hath God wrought? All right, let's turn now to 1932. The first woman was elected to the U.S. Senate. It was a special election. So Hattie Carraway was the first female senator elected. Now, she actually won a special election. So her husband had passed away while in office. And following precedent, the governor of Arkansas appointed Hattie to fill the vacant seat. However, that was until she you know, 
had the special election. She decided to run in that special election, and with backing of the Democratic Party of Arkansas, she won and became the first female elected senator. And in May of 1932, she surprised everyone by announcing that she would run for a full term. And guess what? She won that too come November, and she became the first woman to be elected to a full term as a United States Senator. On this day in 1971, the television show All in the Family premiered on CBS, featuring the world's first toilet flush. Yeah, uh, they flushed the toilet. I, I can't quite say the word toilet like Archie Bunker does, but he said it in, in the greatest way ever. I, I love the way he said it, and I've always wanted to say it like him, but I can't. Uh, anyway, uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it was a very thought-provoking uh, show, and it, it had a comical way of taking these very influential and groundbreaking ideas uh, to the public. Now, it was so groundbreaking, well, they had to put a warning in the beginning of the first episode, and it was suggested for mature audiences only. Uh, because, well, you know, if you watch the show, there were some definite uh, interesting things said on the show. Carol O'Connor played Archie Bunker. Jean Stapleton played Edith Bunker. Uh, their daughter was played by Sally Struthered. She played the uh, character of Gloria. And Gloria's husband was played by Rob Reiner. Uh, we'll just call him Meathead because that's what they called him on the show. Now, Sally Struthers almost didn't get the role. It was almost offered to Penny Marshall. However, she turned that down. And also Archie. It almost wasn't Carol O'Connor. It was almost Mickey uh, Rooney, believe it or not. Yeah, I almost said Mickey Rourke, but that would be totally wrong. Uh, yeah, the final uh, episode of All in the Family aired on April 8th of 1979. So this was a long-running television show, but it went on because Archie Bunker's place uh, took the time slot, and uh, that featured just Archie Bunker. Now, Edith was on that for a little bit, and there was this really emotional episode where she passed away. Gloria had decided to, to take a teaching job in California, and believe it or not, folks, I'm doing this one off of memory. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely watched all the episodes of this show. Uh, there were several spinoffs, and I, I can't say that I watched every one of these, uh, but I did watch Maud. That was one of the spinoffs. The Jeffersons, I loved The Jeffersons. That was a spinoff of this show. Gloria was a spinoff. Yeah, Gloria got her own show with Sally Struthers. Uh, she had divorced uh, the meathead, basically, and that's how, you know, this show came about. That was in the uh, 80s that that came on. In the 90s, there was a show called 704 Hauser. It was about the house. <laughs> That's how influential the show was, how important the show was. They just did a, a spinoff about the house. Yeah, a new family had moved into the house, and uh, some people watched it. It wasn't too popular, but it was around. Um, now, Good Times was a, a spinoff, sort of, kind of, because it came from the television show Mod, which was a spinoff of All in the Family, and there was also a, a one called Checking In, which was a spinoff of The Jeffersons. So this one television show spun off a heck of a lot of other shows. All right, let's uh, take a look now. In 1981, Dynasty premiered on ABC TV. And in 1994, Nancy Kerrigan was attacked by uh, a person that was hired by the ex-husband of her rival, Tanya Harding. Uh, wow. Wow. Right? Yeah. Check out the uh, Netflix show I 
Tanya, and uh, you'll learn more about this one. There's just too much <laughs> to get into on a single podcast. We could probably make a whole podcast about that. Eh, probably somebody already has, but uh, yeah, check out I, Tanya, and uh, it's an interesting little movie there about that whole thing. Yeah, it was a big, big deal back then, so uh, check out that movie. All right, that is our events for today. When we come back, we are going to be talking with Teresa Hannah, and she's going to be talking to us about Blood Donation Month. And if you haven't donated blood recently, well, we're going to find out ways that you can because the blood supply is a little bit lower than it usually is because of the lack of donations. You know, people don't want to go into hospitals, but there are ways for you to help. And we'll tell you about it right after this. There is nothing I hate more than standing by the refrigerator section, looking at a beer selection and not knowing what to pick. Yeah, I'll just pick by the label sometimes, but no, I, I'm going to stop doing that because the Beer Connoisseur has over 5,000 expert beer reviews and in-depth articles about the drink we all know and love. Yeah, it's even got like brewery tours, product reviews, all that fun stuff right there in the magazine. And best of all, because you're one of my listeners, you can take $5 off. Just click the link in the description and head over to the Beer Connoisseur and uh, start drinking better beer. All right, and welcome back. So it is National Blood Donor Month. Yes. Uh, and you know what? With everything else out there, uh, blood donation is not as it's expected to be. The person to help us talk about what we can do to help the blood donation need is from ADRP. It's Teresa Penna joining me today. Hey, Teresa. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well. So what is ADRP? So ADRP is an international division of America's blood centers, and we're comprised of marketing and media communications and operations professionals um, across the blood industry to help make sure that Blood centers across the nation have the resources and tools that they need to help recruit more blood donors to their individual centers. Oh, okay. So how is how's things going? I mean, with, with uh, the COVID, I would think that things are probably pretty difficult. A safe, available, and diverse blood supply for our nation is imperative. And, and blood centers and blood donors, they're really vital in, and have life-saving roles in all of our communities. They're essential components of the nation's healthcare system, believe it or not. And the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the societal and economic impacts have really put the blood, uh, the blood supply, the nation's blood supply at risk. You know, blood centers are experiencing unprecedented blood drive cancellations. And in some areas, we're teetering on a blood supply crisis. And it's really unlike anything we've ever seen in our nation. And so the, the blood community is uniting together to create public awareness about the ongoing need for blood donations, especially during the pandemic. Are we using more of the supply or is it this that we're just not getting people to donate? It's a little of both. Um, you know, there are points where, um, you know, we are using less or we're using more depending on how hospitals are treating patients. You know, there was a point in time in some areas where, um, elective surgeries were put on hold. And so at that point, you use less blood. But when they open that mm -hmm. back up, people that have been waiting for those elective surgeries, that number and those uh, blood products, those continue to surge. 
but you also have the ongoing usage of various patients uh, in local hospitals that need blood, whether there's elective surgeries or a pandemic or whatever the case may be at, at that time. Okay, so you mentioned elective surgeries and those stopped. What other uses are there for the blood supply? Sure. And oh, wow. patients entering the hospital will use blood. We have like cancer and bone marrow transplant patients that are recovering from treatment. They often need transfusion. You know, our goal as a community blood center is to make sure that uh, blood's available when you need it. And we want to ensure that when you or one of your loved ones needs blood, the blood supply really doesn't ever cross your mind. You know, the comfort of knowing that you don't have to worry mm -hmm. about that. That's something that your local blood center, that's a burden that they carry. But obviously, you know, we can't do that alone. We still depend on voluntary blood donors to continue to donate on an ongoing basis. Is it safe right now to donate blood? Can people feel a sense of security knowing that uh, they're going to be as safe as possible donating blood at this point? You know, blood centers are highly regulated under the Food and Drug Administration. With COVID and this pandemic, you know, we have all implemented increased disinfection protocols to help prevent the spread of disease in our centers. You know, you know the reusable items that we once had as blood centers, those have all been replaced with one-time use items and the frequent glove changes and enhanced cleaning protocols on all of the surfaces in between every donor. You know, a lot of centers are implementing daily wellness checks of their staff. Um, and certainly every donor that comes in, we do a wellness check of that donor and face coverings are required for donors and employees in almost every single blood center that I've had the opportunity to talk to. By my office, we used to have a, a big RV <laughs> come mm -hmm. and people would go downstairs and, and donate. I, I would imagine that a lot of those types of opportunities are missing now in, in various communities throughout the United States. Yeah, I mean, the traditional model for um, accessing blood donors has certainly been disrupted and, and challenged. And we really don't know when we'll go back to a normal collection strategy. You know, if you think of, you know, all the mitigation strategies that we're doing, a lot of times that is reducing the number of donors we can see in a day because of social distancing, or it's reducing the number of people that we can have at a blood drive because um, of the space that's allowed to use. We have things like um, blood drives at schools and colleges that you know aren't really in class or not all of the students are back. And that's a real big concern because those blood drives account for about 25% of the nation's blood supply. And they're their primary location for engaging the younger generation with blood donations. So it's not only about the impact to those young donors not being able to donate right now, but what is the long-term consequence of that? And then when you think of businesses, like the one that you mentioned, a lot of places, although they've reopened as the business, they're not operating at the same staffing levels they were operating right. at previously, or they have a lot of employees that are working remotely. So they're not coming mm -hmm. to the office to go to the office blood drive. And so it really takes donors taking an extra initiative to leave their home and go find a blood center or go find a blood drive in their local community. So it's certainly we're still hosting blood drives and we still have all of our locations open but it has it has changed um, yeah. in, in every aspect that you can think of. 
So is there a place where people can go to find information on where they can find a, a blood center where they can do these donations? So people that are feeling well and healthy can go to aabb.org and they enter in their zip code and they can find a blood center in their community. You know, blood donations are needed regularly. And not only that, but we really need uh, community organizations and business leaders to host blood drives too. So if you're a community leader or you're a business owner and you want to host a blood drive, you can use that same locator tool to find a blood center. Go ahead and give them a call and you can host a blood drive or you can make yourself an appointment to donate blood. And you know, I've got one more question for you about convalescent plasma. Now this, and I, I'm, I'm no doctor, with convalescent plasma, I've heard about this and how people that have suffered from COVID-19 can actually donate plasma. Is, is that a thing? And is that something that you guys do? It certainly is. So convalescent plasma, it's the liquid portion of your blood and it contains um, the antibodies from after your recovery from COVID-19. And when we transfuse convalescent plasma into COVID patients, it can help them fight that infection. So if you have COVID-19 or have had a diagnosis and you're fully recovered and you've had no symptoms for 14 days, or maybe you've received a COVID antibody screening at your local blood center or your local clinic, you can go into your local blood center and you can donate convalescent plasma. And yes, there is an ongoing need for convalescent plasma right now in communities that have a high rate of COVID positive patients in hospitals, the need continues to grow. So your local blood center likely needs you to go in and donate convalescent plasma as soon as you can. Oh, that is awesome. So, and that can actually, it can lessen the severity or shorten the, I see I'm no doctor. <laughs> no, you're, on, you're on the right track. Um, okay. There, yeah, there's, there's um, you know, a, a lot of clinical studies that show that it can help fight that infection especially for the most critical COVID patients in our local hospitals. So, okay, we've learned two things. I'm not a doctor. And uh, we've also learned that you can go to aabb.org to find the blood center location near you. You just put in your zip code and you're able to figure out where you can donate either blood or you can donate the, the convalescent plasma if you have had COVID-19. Now, if, if you're experiencing symptoms, I would assume hold off and uh, don't do any donation just yet. But uh, you can do that once you've uh, recovered from COVID-19. You got it. All right. Perfect. See, okay, maybe I'm becoming a doctor. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you can find a link to aabb.org in the podcast description, along with a link to our sponsor for today. So be sure to click both of those if you can. Also, click the subscribe button, right? Okay, I'm talking too much about clicking stuff. We should be talking about today's birthdays. Yes, Rush Limbaugh turns 70 today. Christy Alley, also 70 today. Rob Zombie is 56. Ella Henderson is 25. Pixie Lot is 
is 30. Howard Stern turns 67 today. And Jeff Bezos is 57. That's your look at January 12th. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, you're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Go to thisistodaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning about today. I'm Russ, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.